Welcome to Access Division 33, the official podcast of Division 33 of the American Psychological Association, a group of professionals dedicated to science and practice in the area of intellectual and developmental disabilities and autism spectrum disorder. In each episode, we'll speak with a different member of our division, discussing their work and why it's important to the lives of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities and those who support them. and welcome to Access Division 33. I'm Laurel Benjamin, a member of Division 33 and your host for today. Today, we'll be talking about the transition to adulthood for youth on the autism spectrum with Dr. Julie Lowndes-Taylor. Dr. Taylor is an Associate Professor of Pediatrics at Vanderbilt University Medical Center and an investigator at the Vanderbilt Kennedy Center for Research on Human Development. Her research focuses on the factors that promote a positive transition to adulthood for youth with developmental disabilities and autism spectrum disorder and their families. She's currently working on developing and testing a parenting advocacy training to improve service access and post-school outcomes for youth on the autism spectrum as they transition to adulthood. Welcome, Dr. Taylor. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Laurel. It's a pleasure to be with you. So much of your research has focused on the transition to adulthood for youth with ASD. Why is the transition to adulthood such an important area of focus? So the transition to adulthood is a time of really dramatic change for these individuals, especially when we think about leaving high school and entering the adult world. When youth with autism and, you know, frankly, any youth are in high school, typically there's a lot of routine involved in that and you sort of know what to expect from day to day. For a lot of people, that goes away after somebody leaves high school and that can be really hard for people on the autism spectrum. Um, Also, uh, the, the service system that youth get services from for most of the time, completely changes from high school to post-high school exit. Youth shifts from a school-based service system to adult services and supports, and it can be really hard to have continuity in services and to really get the services that a person needs after that change. Um, And perhaps because of all of these reasons, and probably more, we have studies that we've done about a decade ago now, it's been a while, um, where we find that Um, Autism symptoms and problem behaviors tend to improve while youth on the autism spectrum are in high school, but that improvement slows down. And for some people, it even stops after high school exit. So these these years kind of right around transition to adulthood seem to be a really important time to try to intervene and see if we can smooth out those transition years and hopefully get youth on a positive trajectory that will carry them throughout adulthood. Wonderful. So one of the projects you've been working on is a parent advocacy training for parents of youth on the autism spectrum. Can you tell us a little bit more about this intervention and some of the adaptations you've made for families of youth with ASD? Yeah, you bet. So, you know, the the, the idea for this intervention really um, came up for us as we were talking to families and we were talking to families whose youth were getting ready to leave high school and and talking about sort of the adult services and supports that they might need. And families were having a really, really hard time getting the information that they would need to sort of transition, like I mentioned before, from school-based to adult services. Um, So, so we were able to get some funding to put together a program. We, um, developed it based on a program that had been going on at Vanderbilt for quite a long time called the Volunteer Advocacy Project. Um, And that that program is really focused on 
um, training advocates about special education law and, and families' rights under special education law so that their children can get the services that they need. We took that same structure and, and really adapted it to be about adult services and supports. So each week goes through a different piece of the adult service system um, and, and what that service is, why they might want to consider it for their son or daughter, and then how you might go about starting to look into eligibility and applying for that service. We developed this program that we felt really good about. We had some nice preliminary findings. And at the end of it, we realized that we had a program that worked in the state of Tennessee where we developed it because the adult service system is different in every state. <laughs> so, so the usefulness outside of our state was limited. Um, and so we were able to get some funding to adapt the program to be eligible in other states nationwide um, by really allowing some flexibility in terms of how people talked about adult services and support so they could cover, you know, the information that was relevant in their area. Um, and now we are testing out that program in a large randomized controlled trial in three different states to see if a program that, you know, has certainly has some, some manualization in terms of what's covered, but also allows for enough flexibility and localization for different states to cover information that's relevant in their state. If that can be delivered in similar ways across different states, and then if we see similar uh, positive outcomes for that. Great. And what have some of these preliminary findings been so far? Yeah, you bet. So the one of the findings that I'm the most excited about, although it maybe doesn't seem as exciting on its face, is um, the fact that across our three study sites, we're actually not seeing a lot of differences across our sites. And, you know, as you know, as researchers, we oftentimes don't get really excited about lack of differences. But in this case, that's telling us that. Um, oh, and by the way, our sites are University of Wisconsin-Madison, uh, Leanne Walt there, and then University of Illinois, and that's Megan Burke. And we're seeing similar attendance across the site, similar treatment fidelity. Our local experts, we bring in local people to talk about the different topics. They're covering the information in relatively similar ways. We're seeing similar gains across sites and satisfaction. So this was very exciting to me that we can actually personalize the program in, in ways that we're getting the right information to, to people, um, but, but yet it still is being delivered in, in, in comparable ways across sites. So that was that's kind of the first finding that we're excited about. But now we're actually starting to look at outcomes because we were testing it in a randomized controlled trial. Um, and so I'll be presenting some findings at the International Meeting for Autism Research um, that shows that families who take this program, which we call ASSIST, actually do learn about adult services, which is good, um, and are more, are more re report being more skilled in advocating for their sons and daughters after taking the program. Um, one piece of this that I also really like a lot is the families that were coming into the study with the with the least amount of knowledge and sort of were less skilled in advocating are the ones that are making the most gains in the program. So it doesn't seem to be kind of a rich get richer phenomenon where people who are coming in well prepared to advocate are taking the information and running with it. But we are seeming to perhaps benefit most people who are coming in least prepared to advocate. So that's nice. Um, we're collecting data and cleaning data on um, whether participating in the intervention leads to changes in services and adult outcomes. So more to come on that, but we're just getting ready to analyze that data here in the next couple of months. So I'm um, excited and, and a little nervous about what we'll find, <laughs> but I'm but hopeful that we'll be able to, to show that participating in, in, in the intervention and, and getting families information about services and supports actually helps them get the services that their son or daughter needs. 
Fantastic. My final question for you is based on your work, what advice do you have for families of youth and young adults on the spectrum? You know, I think there are two things that I would probably, uh, two pieces of advice I would give. One thing that we're seeing that's directly related to our intervention study is um, families who find other families in the same boat as them seems to be a really valuable thing. We have families telling us over and over again that they feel like they're going it alone. They feel isolated and they're trying to figure out how to make this transition all by themselves and being able to connect with other families in a similar situation and, and learn from them. Yes, but also just commiserate with them and bounce things off of them um, tends to be really valuable. So I think if, if families can find other families in the same boat to walk along this journey with, especially during these transition years, we're finding that to be really helpful. Um, the other thing that I that I I'd like to always talk about during, especially during the transition years, is really working on daily living skills. This is a little unrelated to the things that we were talking about, but. Um, daily living skills can be kind of a challenge for youth on the autism spectrum. And a lot of studies now have shown that, that really being more independent in daily life is related to all kinds of other areas of independence in adulthood, whether that's employment, whether that's being more likely to live independently. I think even some studies show that it might be related to better quality, subjective quality of life. And so, you know, these are things we can work on, you know, help, helping people to become more independent regardless of their current level of functioning. So that's something that we always talk about as well. Well, thank you so much for your time and thank you for doing this work. Oh, thank you for having me. Please tune into our next episode when we interview another leader in the field of IDD and ASD research. If you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode, please visit our Division 33 website at www.division33.org and use our contact page with the subject line podcast. To all those professionals working in the field, thank you for the work you do. And to those individuals with IDD and ASD, and those who support them, we're here to help.